This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now. everyone, this is Chris Grasso with the Indie Spirituals Podcast, hosted by the Be Here Now Network, and my guest today is Sarah Bueno. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. Yes, I am really excited to have you on the show, and I will tell our audience why in a moment, but before I do, I want to read your bio to give listeners a little background about yourself uh, before we jump into things. So, That's good. Excellent. Sarah Bueno is, let's give some professional letters here for what you are yeah. in, LCSW, also CADC, also CDWF, and is the founder of the Head Heart Therapy, a group therapy practice in Chicago, Illinois. She is also an adjunct professor for Loyola University in Chicago and Fordham University in New York. She is a licensed clinical social worker, certified addictions counselor, and a certified Daring Way facilitator. Sarah also hosts a podcast called Conversations with a Wounded Healer that discusses the intersection of being a caregiving professional while seeking one's own healing. Sarah is passionate about helping people in their most authentic, or I'm sorry, live their most authentic lives by searching for their own truth. Sarah is a lifelong learner, anything in the realm of psychology and spirituality. In her spare time, Sarah is a musician and sings in a variety of musical groups around the city of Chicago. She also loves tattoos and changing her hair color often. And that might be a little bit of a key why I'm really excited to have her on the show <laughs> right. today. But yeah. I do also want to mention really quick, um, you, you'll find these links on the Be Here Now page. Just scroll down and click on them. But in case you're listening elsewhere, you can find Sarah on Instagram at Head Heart Therapy. On Facebook, she has two pages, facebook.com backslash Head Heart Therapy or facebook.com backslash Wounded Healer. Um, and on Twitter at Head Heart underscore Chi, C-H-I, uh, or also at Wounded Healer. Now, I just want to clarify, the healer um, in these is H-E-A-L-R, not L-E-R. I know. The E-R was taken. It was taken. I was okay. so heartbroken. <laughs> uh, yes. So, yeah, like my name was yeah. taken and stuff, so I yeah. had to do weird things, but I just wanted to verify that's correct. Um, so, okay. It is. Yeah. So, for anyone listening that's going to go check out Sarah, the healer is just H-E-A-L-R. And all of that said, Sarah, again, welcome to the Indie Spiritualist Podcast. I'm nervous. You should be. This is so big time. It like, is. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you Obviously. know what I did though? I, I made a I made a bad choice. I'm not gonna say I'm an idiot, but I made an idiotic choice. Okay. I've listened to your podcast for such a long time. Aww, and then you. when I knew that I was gonna be on here, I listened to it with a different intention to be like, okay, I'm preparing to be uh. on the show. <laughs> and I scared the shit out of myself. So oh, no. no. <laughs> well, okay, let's throw all of that out the window. Uh, yeah. Because Ooh. here's the cool thing. Here's what I'm super excited about. Um, part of the reason I am super psyched to have you on the show. One, to let the audience know, Sarah had me on her podcast, what, about a month ago, give or take? Yeah, and yeah. we just had 
such an incredible conversation. We were introduced by a mutual friend, Sarah Beek, who has been a guest on this show and just one of the most amazing, authentic Mm -hmm. women uh, on the planet today. Um, So Sarah connected us, other Sarah, Sarah Beek, connected me with Sarah Bueno, and I had a an amazing time. And I just, I knew at the end of our conversation, I had to have her on my show. And here's part of why I'm excited, Sarah, aside from the fact that we had so much fun on your show, Mm -hmm. more times than not, I have people that have like new books out or projects, which is great because I'm happy to support them. You know, I'm an author too, and I appreciate when people have me on to support my work. But in your case, we get to basically just have a rad organic conversation mm-hmm. um, yep. because you don't have anything currently out right at the moment. So we oh. just get to shoot the shit and talk about yes. whatever comes up organically. So yes. that said, um, the way I do typically start the show, Sarah, is I like to have guests give just a little background about themselves and what led them to the journey or the path where they're at in life today and that can be starting as far back as childhood or you could Mm -hmm. start teenage young adult I leave it up to you but just you know so we know how Sarah got to where Sarah is today yeah it's it's funny to think about because sometimes I do think of my child self and and kind of go back and be like oh honey hold on like Mm. life gets so much better um (laughs) right Yeah. And I think like most therapists, my journey to become a therapist started with my own fucked up childhood. Mm -hmm. And I lived in a family where there was no active alcoholism. So I feel like it was almost even harder to put a finger on why things felt so strange. Um, But my mom was a child of an alcoholic. And so that kind of got passed down and my dad kind of had his own things he was dealing with as well. And I just, I, I always felt like I was, I wasn't being seen. Like I would say, Mm. you know, the sky is blue and I'd get back. No, 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 it's pink. What's wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) Everything and everything's fine here. That was kind of the other message. And, you know, I, it, it, it really honed my ability to tune into, I'm going to say the word reality, even though I know that there is no one reality, but (laughs) essentially kind of tune into reality, whether people were going to affirm that or not, which kind of helped become a good therapist. So I always wanted to be a therapist, but as a kid, I, I've always been a singer. My mom was a singer. So I grew up watching her sing in bands, singing in church and all that stuff. And, Mm. and I thought when I was a kid, I was like, I'm going to be a famous rock star, like a pop star, like Madonna, Michael Jackson, all those like Janet Jackson. I was like, that's what I'm going to be just because I had this, you know, well, if if I'm going to be a star, clearly it's going to be a a singing star. Of course. (laughs) Of course. And so, (laughs) you know, but I went to college and did the, the, what, you know, you're supposed to do is have a backup career. And, and I majored in music education. Um, and then, and then went into arts administration because I decided not to teach. And so I was I was working in the arts field for for many years and just dealing with the craziest egos. And I thought, you know what? If I'm going to deal with crazy people, I'm going to really learn how to do this. <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And in talking with my therapist at the time, I, I kind of revisited, wait, this is something I've always been interested in. I just didn't know how to do it. Mm. And when she told me about social work and that's how you become a therapist, I was like, well, shit. And I, I literally signed up for the next class that I could and, and got my degree. And, and now, now that I'm, you know, kind of owning my own company and, and doing speaking gigs and, and that sort of stuff and, and have a little bit of name for myself in Chicago, it's like, oh, no, I wasn't supposed to be a famous singer, but I am supposed to use my platform, mm. um, my, my performance experience to share messages of healing to people. And that's my life's mess, my life's work, you know? I love that. Yeah. And it's interesting. Um, you share about the uh, your parents not being active alcoholics um, because, mm-hmm. you know, working in the field myself, most cases, not all, but most um, have at least one of the parents as uh, either an active alcoholic or addict um, mm-hmm. that is struggling with that or other mental health issues. And mm-hmm. I, too, am one of those rare cases where... Oh, really? Yeah, my parents... Um, 
I my mom's worst vice was smoking cigarettes and she mm. actually I'm so proud of her has been cigarette free for over 10 years now after wow. trying many many times to quit mm-hmm. um I think I may have seen my dad drink a beer in my life but oh, wow. um yeah no it was very strange I've always been the black sheep like um I know mm. we have alcoholism in uh, deep down the line in my family but um cousins uh, my I have mm-hmm. a younger brother mm-hmm. just no one um so not only was I the black sheep like literally appearance wise and music yeah. taste but you know I I started experimenting and then you know became the family you know addict alcoholic and mm-hmm. uh it is interesting um so anyways, I, I just uh, it's it's nice to talk to someone else who yeah. shares that. Um, what now I have something that um, part of what I learned uh, through talking with Gabor Mate and someone else who commented on that conversation that I'll share about. But in your case, you know, I, I'm, I don't know if you're familiar with Gabor's work. I'm guessing you. Oh, probably yes. are. yeah. Love him. Yes. Uh, he's been on the show. Anyone listening, if you're interested in this topic, uh, search the archives because that was a wonderful conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, he talks quite a bit about childhood trauma, essentially yes. basically only about childhood trauma uh, being because of our addictions. And yes. um, now mine goes back to something uh, that happened when I was actually pre-born, when I was still in my yep. mother's womb. But before I yep. get to that, I want to hear from you a little bit about, so since your parents weren't active alcoholics, what have you pinpointed, um, if you're comfortable sharing? Because <laughs> yeah, I know this yeah. could be, you know, vulnerable stuff, but yeah, we try to yeah. keep it real on the show. What what kind of things, um, you know, have you been able to pinpoint that you're you're willing to talk about that you feel um, have or could have possibly contributed to going that route of alcoholic or addiction? So, well, first of all, I'm I am not uh, an alcoholic in recovery. I I'm a an Al-Anoner, so that's oh, that's my jam. So I wow, I just that whole that's uh, totally okay. The whole spiel was. No, it's totally okay. Because okay. I mean, addiction manifested in 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 my line in the family, and I, I gotcha. don't want to out you know that that person. Of but course. um, but it, I mean, the way that addiction and Alanonism is passed down is so fascinating. Sure. And you know, my my well, so my parents have passed away too. That's kind of another thing that sure. that I say just because I'm. I don't want to speak ill of the dead and that's, n- that's never my intention for sharing kind of my experience of, of, right. of how I have come to understand myself and what happened to me and my, my sibling and, and all of that. And, and really, you know, my mom's addiction to perfection was, was one of, one of the biggest things. Um, everything has to be perfect. Right. And, right. and what I find is, when you're affected by perfectionism of a parent, you go one of two ways. You either mimic that and you become the little perfectionist or you completely shut down and run away from that, which is what happened in my family's case, right? Like I am the perfectionist through and through. And then my dad, definitely a narcissist. Um, and you know, as of late, I've kind of realized maybe there was also some sex addiction too, so sure. you know how the codependent and narcissistic go together, just like the codependent and the addict do. So oh, of course. It's yeah, it's it's very kind of predictable, and 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 there was just when my parents were still together, there was always this feeling, uh, this lack of safety, and like I said, you know, I, I always felt unseen and unheard. Like mm. I, it was just, it was almost as if my mom was constantly looking in a mirror that was right in front of me. Mm. And only seeing her own self and her own wounds and her own expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with my dad, we were just always afraid because he was just so angry all the time. Yeah. Um, so it was just a, a lack of, of safety and a lack of um, emotional security that sure. really kind of did all the damage yeah. <laughs> to both me and my brother. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for sharing that. Um, and, and I appreciate you saying that. I, and I also appreciate not speaking ill of those who've passed on, um, to save a little face. Um, since I was misunderstanding that you are not, uh, one that has addiction. Um, 
one thing I found is not the substances. Exactly. And that's what yeah. I was going to say, because Gabor, in the conversation I had with him, said, I have never struggled with substances. However, I have a very severe addiction to purchasing music. And mm-hmm. I would have never mm-hmm. thought of it in that context. But, right. you know, he he says that addiction, um, I'm trying to remember verbatim, but the definition he gave me was something to the effect of any behavior. And he doesn't say substances. Mm-hmm. He's, he mm-hmm. leaves it at behavior that yep. results in negative consequences, yet we continue to do over and over again. And yep. I really liked that because, you know, people go about their days, you know, thinking of addiction most people as something that relates to drugs and alcohol. But right. yeah, like you said, um, not you're not related to or addicted to substances, but you might mm-hmm. have your own thing. And, you know, I there are also healthy addictions. Like I see people that are addicted to the gym or addicted <laughs> to meditation, mm-hmm. addicted to mm-hmm. you know all sorts of things. So, right. um, yeah, anyways, just want to make that little caveat because also plenty of the audience that listens to the show they're not in recovery either. They just mm-hmm. listen because I have weird guests on. And um, and one other thing I'll share really quick is I um, this wasn't on the podcast, but I was fortunate to interview uh, someone who passed away not too long ago. He's a wonderful Trappist monk, and his name was Father Thomas Keating. Very, mm-hmm. very beautiful soul. And I remember this was um, about 10 years ago. I mentioned to him that during the interview, I was in recovery from drugs and alcohol. And mm-hmm. and uh, and I apologize to listeners who've heard this story because I have told it before. But he laughed. You know, he's in his mid-80s or so at this point, And he kind of laughed. Uh, and he's like, well, I'm in recovery, too. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, shit, I didn't mm-hmm. know that. But mm-hmm. then he followed it up by saying, I'm in recovery from the human condition. And, yes. the, you know, different yes. degrees of severity to which that affects each exactly. individual. So. Yep. Yeah, when people think, no, I'm not addicted. Hey, mm-hmm. you never know. Even Eckhart Tolle said, you don't think you're addicted. Stop thinking. You know, we're addicted right. to our thoughts. And right. so anyways, um, that's a long and, tangent. <laughs> and even if, you know, the word addiction is so weighted, yes. I, I was talking to a friend the other day about the difference between an eating disorder and disordered eating. So yes. many of us have disordered eating. And, and, and I find for myself, I have always seemed to fall just shy of criteria for so many, so many <laughs> like addictive type disorders sure. that I would never qualify to like my insurance would never pay for me to go to treatment. <laughs> right. Yeah, but but they still can affect me in a negative way and I still have to I definitely consider myself in recovery and and absolutely the human condition yeah. 100%. I totally agree with that. Yeah, and and that's the lovely thing too. I don't, you know, even though I'm in recovery, I never advocate for any form of recovery. I don't tell mm-hmm. people you should do one fellowship over the other right. or this or that. All I advocate is find out what works for you. But the interesting thing yep. is I've met so many people that aren't quote unquote in recovery from drugs or alcohol, but have read either the Alcoholics Anonymous big book Mm -hmm. or the uh, basic text from NA or Refuge Recovery or whatever. And they have just found it to be supremely beneficial in their lives because they're really these blueprints for for looking Mm -hmm. at yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's another in a way, another form of therapy not to take away from the power that therapy can have. Um, But yeah, thank God for those programs. So well, it's it's all about self awareness, right? Right. I I can't remember what I was listening to. But they were talking about the difference between self, let's see, self knowledge, being like having the information and then self awareness, being able to kind of put the the uh, knowledge into action. Yeah. And I think that's really what can happen in the 12 steps that can be reinforced by therapy. But it's, it's, you know, practicing, you know, a program like Refuge or the 12 steps. I have been so consistently surprised by my clients because mm. they'll come in and, you know, I, what I always say is we're going to give you the most conservative plan for success because mm. we know what works, right? right? We know if you go to sober living, like if you go to meetings, if you do all these things, you'll, you'll likely stay sober. Um, but not everybody needs that. Right. And I've been so surprised by people who just 
you know, they, they don't do what I say, but, but they keep coming back and they're sober and they're living these wonderful lives. And so it's so humbling to remind myself, I don't, I don't have all the answers and it really is a different path for every person. Uh, I'm so glad you said that because yeah, in my own books or talks or workshops, one of the first things I try to do is make it very clear that I don't have any answers. You know, all I can do is share my experience and Mm -hmm. um, listen and hold space and offer, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. some reflections on what I've heard. But um, yeah, that's as but I'm also not a trained uh, psychologist such as yourself. And um, or I'm sorry, is a psychologist social or, worker, social worker, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I went to school and, and did all that, but I never got the formal degree. So mm-hmm. and I'm kind of glad that I didn't because thank goodness for professionals. Absolutely. But I also think there's so much to be said for peer support. And yes. people, you know, that just yes. come in at that level. And like tomorrow I get to do three workshops a month with uh, teenagers yeah. ages 13 to 20. We might have talked about this on your show, but, yeah. you know, I go in there and it's equal parts heartbreaking and heart filling because mm-hmm. here are these individuals at such a young age that, you know, I see the very deep cuts on their arms or hear about the suicide mm-hmm. attempts and um, the, you know, I've already died twice and it's just my goodness. But, yeah. you know, I can walk in there and, you know, being tattooed and, and pierced and, uh, mm-hmm. and and luckily still having knowledge and experience, like mm-hmm. I automatically have their attention and, and we do some really deep work. So yeah. I'm really grateful for that. And I think that actually segues nicely, Sarah, into... Um, Talking about spirituality, because I think part of the reason you and I connected, uh, you know, on such a deep level was we're very free spirits, as a lot of Mm -hmm. people in the spiritual realm are. Um, I might have even, I don't remember if it was your podcast or not, but I think I was telling someone in a podcast recently, even the word spiritual um, can irk me sometimes. Yeah, that was you. Okay. So, Mm -hmm. but again, for lack of better word, spiritual, we'll use it. So. What I've noticed, you know, I've been doing this for about 20 years now, um, visiting various sanghas and all just different types of um, spiritual, quote unquote, spiritual settings. Mm -hmm. And I have noticed a a rather significant shift in from when I first started going. Um, People Mm -hmm. would often be very judgy, you know, kind of look Mm -hmm. at me because I look the way I did and, um, you know, and it was uncomfortable and unpleasant. And that was part of the inspiration that I wrote the books that I did because Mm. I wanted to let people know friends that I knew that might've been interested in this, but otherwise were turned off because of things like that, that it doesn't have to be like that. And here we are in 2019 Mm -hmm. and I'm seeing so many more people like you and I, and I know I'm speaking right now just about the aesthetic or the relative level Mm -hmm. where piercings, tattoos, colored hair, listening to punk rock, metal, hip hop, whatever, but still having a very sincere, very dedicated spiritual practice. And I'm Mm -hmm. so glad to see that that is becoming more commonplace. And I have so many friends that in the past had no interest. And now like, they're like, holy shit, I can still listen to Slayer and meditate, like, and be, you know, live this like, deeply more connected life to myself and and Mm -hmm. the universe and yeah you can so I would Mm -hmm. love to hear a bit about your experience with that you know because you are your own person and and that's why I deeply respect you but you also are very dedicated to your spiritual life and Mm -hmm. and and practice so uh, tell me about that well it's interesting that you know you say some of your friends are like wait I can listen to Slayer and meditate (laughs) because my I, I I have felt since I really started my spiritual journey, which obviously we've been on a spiritual journey our whole lives right. and and lives before that, but really it was when my parents died in 2014 that, that things kind of shifted for me and I was open to spirituality in a new way. And since then, I've, I, I've struggled to create a, a real connection between who Sarah is as a therapist and a spiritual person and someone on her healing journey and Sarah who sings in a band on the weekends. Mm. Because in my, in my, you know, in my, in my re- regular life band aside, 
99% of my friends are therapists or mm. at least have some sort of psychology background. And so communication, we, we all know the same language. My husband's even going to school right now to become a therapist. So mm. it's like literally everyone except for my dog. Um, <laughs> so language, you know, we share that. And, and, and even when there's conflict, we know how to resolve it and it's very easy and, and that sort of thing. And, in that part of my life, I'm really trying to work on ego and not, not being driven by that. Right. And then I go say, and right now I mostly just sing in a wedding band mm. and my job is to like be larger than life and to entertain you. And you know, the, the guys in the band, um, are not necessarily on some of them are, but not necessarily on like a spiritual route. And so conversations are different. You know, we're, mm. we're talking more about, worldly things. It sounds so fucking elitist <laughs> to say it that way, but it's, I just, I find it such a contrast and it's probably, it's probably less about spirituality in and of itself, but just the way that I've decided to create my life, mm. um, to be comfortable. I need to know that people are really going to see me, hear me and understand me. And yeah. most of the people who can do that the best are therapists. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And well, so I see, you know, a therapist and I do EMDR and that is so important to mm -hmm. me because just like you said, I need that. The interesting thing in my life is that even though, like I said, I have friends that have been turned on to meditation and whatnot um, that otherwise may not have. Opposite to you, the majority of my friends, um, even though I'm pretty introverted and can't say that I have a lot of friends, I have associates, but, you know, the friends that I have really don't have much interest in spirituality. And mm -hmm. I actually really appreciate that because mm -hmm. um, it I'm not in, encased in this bubble that I see yeah. happen for a lot of people. And I don't yeah. say that with judgment, yeah. but it does like people kind of are in this spiritual bubble, all their friends are spiritual, and there's yep. absolutely nothing wrong with that. But it almost becomes mm -hmm. like this Pollyanna-ish view or lens of life where it's easy to forget that there is some really ugly shit that happens every day on the regular. Um, oh, yeah. So you're, you're yeah. exactly right. And there are some times that I, I am grateful for when I go into a period of depression or mm. anxiety or something like that because it reminds me what it's like for my clients Yeah, because I've definitely 100% been in a room with a bunch of people in recovery, you know, saying this like rainbows and unicorns shit come out of my mouth and I'm like, they don't get it. Like uh. <laughs> I need to figure out how to communicate in a way that they can hear it. Um, not because I'm better than them or further along than them, but just because yes, I'm in a bubble and I'm immersed in this in my mm. entire life. And so I have to learn how to, I have to be better about talking to people in a way that they want to come along, you know? Yeah. And I, I hear that for sure. And I think I struggled with that myself early on and it just quickly got to the point for me where I had to realize zero fucks given. That's yeah. my motto. And, and in the sense that not that I don't care that I'm not helping all I want to do is help other people, mm -hmm. but I have to speak my authentic truth with and sincerely throw any, uh, you know, completely abandon any worries about what, um, how I will be perceived. Because yeah. as long as yeah. I go in there with the intention in my heart of helping other people, and I do every single time, no matter what I do, um, then that's all I can do. And, right. and I have to laugh, to be honest, because, you know, we're talking about music. I just joined a band recently. I haven't, but I haven't played in a band I in like five years. I saw on Instagram. Oh, that's so exciting. It is. But, you know, so here I am, quote unquote, you know, a spiritual writer. Anyone that listens to this band, would it would be like, <laughs> no, because it's completely noise rock, part metal, mm. part mathy rock stuff mm. that I love. I still listen to this day. I played my first show with them like uh, about a month ago. It felt so great. Like, and we're recording a new record next month. And that to me is just as spiritual as when I am yeah. sitting in meditation, as when I am reading, you know, Ramana Maharshi or Ram Das or mm -hmm. Vivekananda, um, Nisargadatta Maharaj, any of these people, any of these great non-dual teachers. And that's why for me, they have been so important and influential in my life is that you mentioned ego before, and I still, of mm -hmm. course, I struggle with that. But 
there's so much of the time, thanks to working with who am I uh, inquiry, self-inquiry practice, or direct um, looking, uh, reading people like Jed McKenna, and seeing through this illusion that, you know, mm-hmm. there really isn't division. It's all, it, like I think right. you said, it's all spiritual. It's all been a spiritual journey. No matter what we're doing, it's just that our minds and our egos start placing mm-hmm. labels and mm-hmm. and deciding what's good and bad and that's just a condition of the human mind what underlies yeah. that is that that universal everything that gave birth to the entire manifest universe and so yep. that is where i try to approach every day from and of course chris jumps back in the driver's seat and yeah. you know did i yeah. play well enough or did i do the podcast mm-hmm. well enough but in again, just to circle back, it's the intention that is in my heart and that, you know, I can take the teachings from these teachers and do my best to be a bridge and share them with others in a way that might be relatable. And the last thing yeah. I'll say is, you know, as we're talking right now, I'm really I'm chuckling. I always do when I do these podcasts because here we are talking about, you know, spiritual stuff. And I joke with my fiance also, like if anyone that read my books ever walked into my apartment, you know, <laughs> I'm looking around the room. I have like horror posters on the wall. Yeah. Horror is my favorite genre. I have horror toys. I have like skateboards. I have like, you know, just all sorts of like, you know, I, of course I have really the only spiritual things I see are, are my books, which are extensive. And of course I have like, you know, Kali and Maharaji and, and, you know, the figures and, and statues, mm-hmm. but that's only like 5%. The rest of it is just like Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees and guitar equipment and, you know, Alex Gray artwork. Yeah. And, uh, but that's what I love is that I it can be anything. Yes. I'm happy. I'm happy this way. And it does not negate my spiritual life whatsoever. So I'm sorry. No. I didn't mean to hold the conversation hostage there, but, um, no. I, I it really enhances it. I, I, and thanks. Yeah. I, I appreciate, you know, I, I think, Right now in this moment, I am absolutely entrenched in my perfectionism and it's, it's holding me hostage in a Mm. way. And so hearing what you're saying is so helpful and just like remembering like, yeah, my, my intentions are good and my intention, my, I believe, I do believe that my life's purpose is to inspire people and to, uh, you know, give hope and I do that. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and it and it is like you said, just walking in with tattoos and a shaved head and a mohawk, like, and different color hair. Every time somebody like falls in love with with that, and then is like, I want what she has. And yeah. I, it, we know that that's how people get better right. is by you know wanting to create a level of health for themselves that they see in somebody else. And so it's, thank you. Thank you for that reminder. This is why, this is why we had to have this conversation today, not to do the (laughs) podcast, but just so I could get a little bit of healing. So thanks. (laughs) Well, you are welcome, but I have a sneaking suspicion. Some listeners might also, Mm -hmm. you know, be getting some help out of this. Um, both of us in in no ways, just what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, truly, like to just to emphasize, be yourself. And that's one of the first mm-hmm. things I write in my first book, Indie Spiritualist, is that it isn't about appearance. Like at the end of the right. day, I don't care if you have tattoos or piercings or colored hair. Like, I, mm-hmm. Brad, if you do, that's awesome. I love that stuff. But what I really care about is what's going on in your heart. What are you passionate mm-hmm. about? What are you doing in the world to help other people while also helping yourself. Like that is what matters to me. Um, the other stuff, cool, that's fun, you know, and, and, Mm -hmm. and we can talk about movies and music and, and that's great. But at the end of the day, the stuff that truly, really, really matters is that heart stuff. And for me, that heart stuff manifests through my, the way I present myself and the way that mm-hmm. I honor, I like really fucking strange things. And I always <laughs> have, and I always will. And, uh, or I hope I always will. Cause you know, mm-hmm. that's just who I am. Um, yeah. but you know, so anyways, <laughs> who knew that'd be half the top, uh, the talk today, right? but tell me about, let's focus more on you. Let's talk about head heart therapy. Um, yeah. tell me about that. What is head heart therapy and what inspired you to create that? 
Well, I actually never thought I was going to go into private practice. Mm. My, my intention was to work in treatment centers forever because that group work is my jam. That is my favorite. And I just, I love, I love that early stage of recovery when people are starting to find themselves for the first time. I just think that's so inspiring. Mm. Um, but you know, life happens and I ended up getting the certified daring way facilitator, which is Brene Brown's work. Oh, Um, yeah, she's great. Yeah, she's great. And and I was the first therapist in Chicago to have that certification. Nice. So I just happened to get a lot of uh, attention for that. Yeah. And so at one point, I just I looked at my husband and I was like, do you think I should do this? Should I make the leap? And he's <laughs> like, yep, let's do it. I'll support you and, and we'll make it work. And, you know, the idea of head heart came from a tattoo that I have, funny enough. Yeah. Um, I was trying to figure out what is a pictorial representation of being a therapist? Mm. Like, how do I put on my body what I do? And I, this credit goes to my brother. He had a picture on his, uh, it was his screensaver on his laptop of a man being torn apart by one side of heart and the other side of brain. And I was like, Ooh, that's it. That's the pictorial representation. I take that to my tattoo artist and he's like, well, that, that's a really negative representation. How about we tie it together? Mm. And so the, the tattoo is a brain and a heart, um, tied together with a ribbon and a key in the middle. So the key is connecting the head and the heart. And, and I'm sure, you know, the quote, you know, the, the furthest journey a man will travel is from his head to his heart. I'm the poster so, boy for that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that that's kind of how the idea of head heart was born. And because of the way that I look and the attention that I get, you know, I've, I've had people say, oh, you have a nose ring, so you're going to understand me. Or mm. I literally last week had somebody email us because um, I, I liked her, the photo of her hair from her hairstylist posting it on Instagram. She's like, oh, your owner liked my hair. So I think I'll, you know, I'll do well at your practice. Oh, that's so great. So I wanted to intentionally create a space for people who might, might feel a little turned off by what you would think of as traditional therapy. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's not to knock anybody. Like you said, like not everybody has to have tattoos and right. crazy hair and whatever, but I do. And I want the people who also want that, um, to feel comfortable and yeah. to feel safe. And so that's, that's how head heart therapy was created. And our, our tagline is unique therapy for unique people. Mm. Um, cause I want everybody to feel seen when they're there. And clearly we have a, quite a thread drawn from my, my childhood to, <laughs> <laughs> to what I do for a living now. I just, I, I want fiercely for people to be seen as themselves and yeah. to see themselves too. Cause I think, that's something that can really, really get in the way in our culture. Like talk about ego. If our ego is too pronounced, denial sets in and then we're, we're not willing to look at ourselves because we can't tolerate the shame. Yes. So I want to create a space where we can lovingly lead people through this journey of seeing themselves truly. Yeah. And I want to talk about that in shame. Um, but before we do in a second, um, so you offer these services. I know you're based in Chicago. For mm-hmm. listeners, do you ever offer anything? I know some therapists, not all, but mm-hmm. some do like Skype or phone calls. Do you offer that as well? Or are you strictly Chicago based in person? Yeah, I'm strictly Chicago and also I'm not taking any new clients okay. at this point. Gotcha. But one of the things that I I am aspiring to is being able to travel and, and do groups. Yeah. So if you, if you want to get a group of six or more together, let me know. I'll fly wherever. <laughs> awesome. So there you go. And you yeah. guys already have guys and gals have her uh, her connection or Instagrams or Facebooks yeah. or Twitter. Um, so let's go back to shame, because that is something yeah. I mean, who amongst us cannot relate to shame mm-hmm. uh, and guilt? Two separate things. But sh- yep. let's talk about shame. Um, actually, first of all, can you because a lot of people kind of twist guilt and shame together and they, right. and they do go hand in hand in a certain respect, but can you offer, um, listeners your opinion or your definition or however you want to word it of the difference between guilt and shame? And then what I'd like to do is maybe, I don't know if you have a practice or something that's 
generic enough that maybe our listeners can take away. I like to try to give listeners sure. something, you know, uh, aside from a good conversation, but something they right. can implement in their lives. So starting with yeah. talking about the difference between guilt and shame and then whatever uh, practice or just anything you would like to share. Yeah. Um, so shame is I am bad and guilt is I did something bad. Mm, so easy. shame is love that. Right. Shame is focus on self. Guilt is focus on behavior. <clears throat> and Brene Brown's definition for shame is that it's the intensely painful feeling of not being worthy of love and belonging. Mm. So it's fear of disconnection, fear of not being good enough. And it, you know, it's, it's hard to, to, to give a short answer to what to do with that. Of um, course. Brene Brown talks about the antidote of shame as empathy and mm. being able to tell your story to people who can hold space for you and say, wow, I get it. I get why that's hard. Mm. But what I've found for myself personally is no amount of empathy from the outside is going to touch the, the wall that I've built around my heart because I just have this chronic feeling of, of not good enough. Right. right. Sure. So self-compassion is crucial. And I spend most of my time talking to people in early recovery about opening up to the willingness to practice self-compassion, right? Because when I say it, like I I just did a group yesterday at a detox. And when I say self-compassion for the first time, everyone's like, fuck that. I don't deserve (laughs) it. Like I deserve to be punished for what I've done. I am a bad person for what I've done. And, and, and what I tell them is you You really, so, so I'll say like, you know, look around the room and is there anybody in here that you would say isn't worthy of love and belonging? And Mm. the answer is always no. They love their peers, right? Just like you said, you learn more from your peers in addiction than you do from anybody else. Yeah, sure. So if they look around the room and say, no, everybody in here deserves love and belonging, then, you know, I kind of turn it back and say, then how come you're not? Yeah. Right. You can't be the only one who's not. That's we know we know in the program we call that terminal uniqueness, right? I'm of so course. fucked up. Yeah. I win for being the most fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so having that, I guess, you know, and this is the head heart piece, if you can at least understand that with your head that mm. you deserve compassion and love and belonging, then just ask for the willingness to practice it and just try to shift the way that you talk to yourself. Mm. Are you talking to yourself like a person you love? Or are you talking to yourself like an asshole? Mm. So Many let, of us are talking uh, like an asshole. Yes. <laughs> and, and, you know, I actually have a chapter in Indie Spirituals called Hey Asshole. And it's just about mm-hmm. that, how yeah, yeah. it's crazy to me that we allow ourselves to talk to ourselves in such a way that for most of us, if we heard, if it was even a stranger talking to someone else, the way we talk to ourselves, we would probably step in and be like, Hey, that's not okay. Like stop. Um, yet we allow ourselves to do that. So let me Mm -hmm. not to put you on the spot. I really thank you. First of all, for sharing those, uh, the, the difference and, um, you know, just as a, gen- a general jumping off point. But um, that's actually a topic that I am going to be addressing tomorrow um, mm-hmm. with the young adults. And it mm-hmm. is one of the tougher ones that I do. So mm-hmm. I would love to hear, let's say you're in that room. And mm-hmm. in all fairness, you know, you have not worked with a, like a clientele like I have. So again, I'm kind of putting you on the spot. But um, <laughs> just selfishly because I always love to hear other people's ideas and um, you know just curious so say I I start out by asking that question you did and Mm -hmm. of course I'm sure that 99 if not 100% will agree like you said Mm -hmm. but then it becomes a matter of okay I hear what you're saying and I hear that you're saying that you know I, I need to find a willingness to try to talk to myself in a nicer way. But, you know, I have done so much shit. I just, I don't feel like I am worthy of even trying. Mm -hmm. What is something you might say to that? Or is there a Mm -hmm. different like teaching Mm -hmm. or something you would offer? And again, I know this is on the spot. So I apologize yeah, for that. Yeah, no, the, the, this is how, I mean, this is therapy is improv, you know, right, and sure, so I'm, sure. I'm totally, my, my initial reaction, what came up for me is, is what I would probably say in the moment is what do you have to lose hmm. by trying this? Yeah. Um, and as a, as a therapist, what I'm always thinking about is creating relationships with hmm. people. And so 
I think you and I both have this unique ability to walk into a room, not say anything and have people feel connected to us because of that, because yeah. of the way we look, yeah. at least of the people that we work with anyway. Right. True. Um, yeah. And so I really lean on that relationship when I'm challenging someone yeah. and, 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 you know, some, sometimes I'll, I'll say, you know, well, how's that working for you with, with humor, you know, to, to kind of get them out of the seriousness of it. Cause that's yeah. a serious question, right? Like yeah. I really think I'm not worthy yeah. of love and belonging, but the function of the, the, what we assume the function of beating ourselves up is that we'll do better next time, mm. but it's actually making it worse. It just reinforces the shame and shame is never a positive motivator for sustained change. It's yeah. just not, no, <clears throat> it's more. really good at controlling behavior in the short term, but yeah. it's not going to create the lasting sobriety that these kids are, are hopefully wanting to look at. So yeah. what have they got to lose is what yeah. I would say. If you try this, just, just do it as an experiment. I'm, and I always tell people too, like, you don't have to take the shit I say seriously. You don't have yeah. to, yep. but this is just an option for you. And yeah. I, it's my job to give you as many options as I can so that you yeah. can find peace. We're so simpatico in our approach. I, I appreciate I that. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know, like when I share things like that, um, it's a similar, it's like, you know, don't, don't believe me. Um, it's like yeah. the Buddha said, like, find out for yourself but I, mm -hmm. I approach it I might include some um, pop culture to you know mm -hmm. reference a song lyric or something or someone yep. who had a similar struggle look where they're at now um, mm -hmm. and those sorts of things certainly uh, seem to help but even for those who again aren't in that exact circumstance what I can say um, you know and by circumstance I mean addiction or mental mm -hmm. health issues is I think for anybody um, working through shame and guilt is of the utmost importance yes. for our well-being. We can meditate yep. all day. We can do yoga and these are wonderful things. But, you know, something I learned is a big part of the reason I kept relapsing. And even after mm -hmm. I worked on mm -hmm. shame and guilt, it didn't keep me from relapsing, but mm -hmm. it significantly decreased the frequency and the longevity. Right. right. But, you know, it wasn't until, and it's uncomfortable, <clears throat> but it wasn't until... Mm -hmm. I started to really look at those places within myself. You mentioned having uh, a wall up around your heart or something like that. Mm -hmm. I, I liken it to my heart's armor, like it's very guarded. Yeah, and it yeah. wasn't until I began laying aside some of that armor and willing, become willing mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. get vulnerable with someone I trusted, whether it was a sponsor or a therapist or, you know, whomever in one's person's mm -hmm. in someone's life. And started really sifting through that stuff that the true deep healing began. So, yes, you know, yes. I, I highly recommend that to anyone listening, mm -hmm. whether, again, it is with a therapist or I, I just the thing I would say is try not to do it alone because don't, I'm sure don't do it alone. Yeah. Because <laughs> how many times, you know, have you yeah. experienced in your position some really heavy shit comes up oh, with the person you're working yeah. with? And if you weren't there or someone wasn't there to help them process it, imagine, mm -hmm. you know, like. And, and, and these are extreme yeah. examples, but the people I work with and probably many that you do too, um, have already attempted suicide or struggle yep. with addiction or yep. self-harm, you know, and if there's not mm -hmm. someone there to help them and they're yeah. trying to do it alone, not good, not safe. And again, that's not yes. just for those who struggle with that. I would say anyone, what Anybody. are, what do you think? Absolutely. It, I, I'm thinking of a particular client right now who mm. I've, I've worked with for the past five years and <laughs> We, we, we started our work together doing shame stuff, you yeah. know, and it, it, it's, it's the big layers of shame. And then every time you pull a shame layer off, there's another fucking shame layer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just, it, this work is never done and you've got to have somebody walk through it with you. It, it, the thing that I, I'm sure you can say this working with as many people as you have too the more work I do with people, the more I recognize we are all fucking crazy. Every single one <laughs> yes, of us. We are. Yep. And there's nothing that, you know, the person sitting on the other side of the couch has thought that I probably have it, have thought too, right. you know, we're all in this together. And, and so just having even one person who can really truly be empathetic and non-judgmental yeah. can, can transform. We, we are hurt in relationships, so we have to heal in relationship. Mm, beautiful. I heard 
something, uh, it was, I don't know, several years ago, so simple, kind of cliche saying, but I'll tell you, it, it moved me. And, um, you know, it's simply, it's okay to not be okay. You know, yes, that's, yes. that's because we mm-hmm. not only are we not feeling OK, but now we're adding self judgment and then the guilt and shame, of course. And, you know, you right. start putting all this together and you wonder why people's stress levels are as high as they are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the amount of violence and just anger yeah. and, and, you know, it, it's 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 really saddening to me. Um, and not that I don't still experience that because I sure do. Um, I am so fucking far from perfect and I fall into the shame spiral, the guilt spiral, yeah. the, you know, and then on top of that, I have the I beat myself up because I should know better spiral. Right. You know? right. Just, oh, yeah, <laughs> there's, exactly. That's there's, the worst. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's no way <laughs> the out. Meta shame. <laughs> yes. It's like, come on, man. Just mm-hmm. just breathe. Stop and breathe yeah. for a minute, you know. But well, And that's where the compassion comes in. Right? right. And I something something happened over the past like six months. I, I had some really crappy business stuff happen. And all of a sudden I was like actually saying like, Sarah, I love you. Mm. And you do amazing work. And this really fucking sucks. Mm. And I tell you, Chris, like there's I I asked my therapist once, like, what does self-love even feel like? Because I really don't think I'd experienced it. And she Mm. said, well, it's like loving someone else, but you feel it for yourself. And the times when I've been able to catch catch that, that that's what I need in the moment and practice that like there's there isn't any other feeling like it. Mm. Absolutely. You know, and I just, this has inspired me to just quickly, uh, I believe we often do book recommendations on the page as well. And a couple that, um, Corey, the the gentleman who works on these, um, hey, Corey, uh, um, he typically will kind of take recommendations based on the conversation. But um, I am, just as we're speaking, there is a wonderful teacher. She is Buddhist, but one need not be Buddhist to benefit from her work. Um, I don't consider myself Buddhist personally. I don't care if you do or you don't. Like I've mm-hmm. learned so many great things from Buddhism. I just yes. I don't identify as anything. So anyways, there's this wonderful writer and teacher. Her name's Pema Chodron. I'm guessing. Yes. Yeah. And I'm guessing most of the audience is familiar with her. But in case you're not and you are really resonating with what Sarah and I are talking about. I highly recommend um, three of her books. Any of her books are great, but the three that I've personally found in regards to this conversation, at least the most beneficial are comfortable with uncertainty, uh, the places that scare you. And when things fall apart, highly recommended. (laughs) And then the loving uh, self-compassion loving part, um, uh, Sharon Salzberg, another Buddhist teacher. um, She, Mm -hmm. you know, is kind of the current go-to when it comes to loving kindness. Um, She's much more than just that, but that's like one of the things she's most well known for. And uh, I highly recommend uh, her work in regards to that. Um, Do you have any, Sarah, that you would like to recommend? I do to add to that list. Yeah. And I, I think they're both informed by Buddhism as well. So um, Kristen Neff and that's oh, Kristen yes. with yeah. an I, K-R-I-S-T-I-N. Yep. And Tim Desmond. Don't know Tim. Love Kristen's yeah. work. Um, yeah. Can, are specific books or just them in general? Yeah. Kristen Neff's, uh, she's got a great website actually where you can test your self-compassion Oh wow! and she's broken down the components of self-compassion. So you can see what areas you need work on, whether it's the way you talk to yourself, um, your connection with others or your mindfulness. Mm. So her website is a great resource, but her book is literally called just self-compassion. Excellent. And then Tim Desmond, he's written a book for therapists called self-compassion and psychotherapy, but he also has a a workbook. Mm. Um, and I think it's something like 14 days to self self compassion or something like that. But, um, yeah, if you look him up, you'll be able to find his work. Awesome. There's this other guy. Um, I think his name's Chris Grosso. He's written a few yeah. books, but um, yeah, right? <laughs> some of that touches on it. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Sarah, <laughs> you know, I never ever do that. I just I I like to bust my own balls and and be a dumbass. Yeah. So, anyways, um, we've got you know a few minutes left. What I want to turn this over to you. What um, what would you like to end the conversation on? You know, we like we've got five ten minutes. What mm-hmm. have we not talked about that, um, having spoken about what we have thus far, you feel um, would be an apropos way to kind of 
take us out? I guess the one thing that I want to say to people is there, there might be a lot of fear, Mm. right? The thing that I see that gets in between people doing their work is, is fear of, you know, what's going to happen on the other side Mm. or what, you know, if, if I look at my shame, it's never going to end. Um, and there's a, there's a book called feel, feel the fear and do it anyway. And I literally don't know who wrote it, Mm. but it's out there and you can actually just get a PDF version of it. Oh, cool. Um, but I think that when we open ourselves up to connection with others for empathy and we practice our own self-compassion, that can, that can really help settle the fear, but mm-hmm. the fear is going to be there. Yes. Right. Of like people, I think you and I talked about this in, in my interview with you mm-hmm. is, you know, people always ask me like, Oh, how are you so brave? And blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know, man, I was just born like this, but I can tell <laughs> you that there's, there's a lot of benefit to really digging in and doing this hard work. And mm. I, I think you and I are, are very much the same that like we couldn't live without being this way. Right. Um, and I, sometimes I look at people, I'm like, how can you not be this way? So I, I just want to inspire people to know that the fear doesn't mean that you shouldn't do something mm. that scares you. Couldn't fear is more. going to be there. <laughs> And uh, yeah, it w- no matter what, but that's the thing is, you know, the feeling you get once you face that fear and you walk through it mm-hmm. is oh, second yeah. to none. Another cliche saying I absolutely love is the only way out is through. And I think yep. of fear when I think of that, but it is true. But when yeah. you walk through that and you get to the other side, talk about a feeling of empowerment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you do that and then you can, like we do, you talk to other people and you help them mm-hmm. face their fears. You don't have to be, you know, a social worker or an mm-hmm. author or whatever. Like we are yep. all out here helping one another. I don't look at myself as any more of a quote unquote teacher or healer or helper Mm -hmm. than anyone else. You know, we're all in this thing together. We're all Mm -hmm. doing the best we can and we're all hurting too, you know? So let's just show up, help each other, face our fears, just try to be a little kinder. And now we're ending on this like hippy dippy bullshit. I know. (laughs) It's so funny, but I mean, really, that's where my heart is. Like Slayer aside, that's like, that's, you know, and I know that. Yeah, I know that's the case for you too, Sarah. So Mm -hmm. you did mention your podcast. Where can people find that? I know we have all the links to your your social media, but is there an actual Mm -hmm. website or a platform that it's on where they can find the podcast? Yeah, well, it is on my website, but pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts, you're going to be able to find it. So, you know, Apple Podcasts and what is it? Google Play and Spotify. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So you mentioned your website and actually I don't see that listed on social, the social links you sent. So what's your website, Sarah? www.headhearttherapy.com. Beautiful. And just as a reminder to find Sarah on Instagram, it's at headhearttherapy. Facebook is facebook.com backslash headhearttherapy or uh, facebook.com backslash wounded healer, healer, H-E-A-L-R, no E there. And then the same, we have Twitter at headheart underscore chi, C-H-I, or uh, also Twitter at wounded healer, same without the E at the end. Healer. So (laughs) um, I can't recommend checking out Sarah's work. If you enjoy this podcast, I guarantee you 110% that you will love Sarah's. And if you don't, you get your money back. Yes. Yes. Money back guarantee for any podcast. (laughs) And I love saying that since people don't pay for them. Exactly. No, but so sincerely, I Sarah, like I had such a blast on yours. Um, That's why I had to have you in mind. And I had so much fun with this. I hope you had a good time on the show too. Oh my God. Um, Yes, absolutely. And I really, really do want to figure out a way to get you out here to Chicago. I'm going to talk to some of the people to see if we can like, you know, get, get a little thing, get your flight over here, take Uh, care of you. Well, Chicago. Yeah. I might be coming to see you soon. (laughs) So that would be super rad. I will. Yeah. And vice versa. You know, we'll figure out a way to get you to Connecticut. And uh, that's what we do. We help each other out. You know, the people that are out there doing this, these things. So, you know, we'll talk more about that, um, you know, via email and good stuff. But um, Sarah, truly, thank you for 
the work you do in the world. Thank you for showing up as your authentic self. And thank you for this conversation and, and laying yourself out there vulnerably and, and sharing honestly from your heart and, uh, and no bullshit. That's what the show is yeah. all about. And I uh, honestly, from my heart to yours, uh, no pun intended there, uh, my heart to your head heart. <laughs> I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you. Me too, Chris. All right. So, so again, everyone, please check out Sarah on social media. Check out her podcast. You will absolutely love it. She's incredible. And uh, until next time, we've got some really exciting shows coming up. Not going to tell you who yet because I like to leave people in suspense. But um, wishing you all a really lovely rest of your day. Take good care. And like I said, please just be there for one another. Love to you all. And uh, until next time, it's Chris Grosso, Indie Spirituals Podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash BeHereNow today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash BeHereNow.